0: Hey there. Thanks for listening to the Greg Laurie podcast, a ministry supported by Harvest Partners. I'm Greg Laurie, encouraging you. If you want to find out more about Harvest Ministries and learn more about how to become a Harvest Partner, just go to harvest.org. Hello, Boise. Good to see you all tonight. Hey, you can all be seated. So great to be back here for the second night. Last night was so amazing with so many folks coming down on this floor making a commitment to follow Jesus Christ over 1600 of them came down that was just incredible so so how many of you were here last night raise your hand up you were here last night ah repeat offenders good how many of you are here for the first time tonight? Raise your hand up. Lots of you, lots of you. Great. Well, I said this last night, I'll say it again. People, I'm here to evangelize all the Californians that have invaded your state. What do you think? And then I'm gonna take them back to California with me. I don't know if they know that yet. The, the Californians are not clapping. Um, so what a, what a great place you live. Uh, we went to the zoo today, the Boise Zoo. I think it's called Zoo Boise. And uh, there was this really cool little exhibit of these monkeys. And they, they're, they're communicating with each other and swinging back and forth. And it reminded me of a story of a guy that was desperate for work. And he heard they were hiring down at the local zoo. Maybe it was this zoo. I don't know. So he we went down and applied. And the guy in charge said, sorry, sir, there's no openings right now. Then looking at this man who was very large, uh, the zookeeper said, okay, I don't want you to be offended by this, but our gorilla died the other day and we've ordered a new one. He's on his way. Would you be willing if we made you a custom gorilla suit to put it on and pretend to be the gorilla until the real one arrives? And then he told the man how much he would pay. The guy said, I'm in. So they put him in the gorilla suit. He felt very self-conscious. He thought no one's gonna believe it. And he went into the cage and a big crowd formed and the people were excited and so he moved around a little. By the second day, he's swinging back and forth. He's pounding his chest, having a great time. And he got a little too excited as he was swinging and swung right out of the gorilla cage into the lion's cage. (laughs) Now he had a dilemma. If he cries out for help, everyone will know he's a fraud. And the lion's approaching quickly. And finally the guy in the gorilla suit can't contain it any longer. And he says, help! And the lion says, shut up or you'll get us both fired. <laughs> you know there are people running around today. They, they say, I, I'm a Christian. I have a relationship with God. But they don't. You know the Bible says, check up on yourself. Are you really a Christian or are you just pretending to be a Christian when you aren't at all? You know religion cannot save you. Going to church cannot save you. Doing things out of obedience even to how you think God wants you to behave won't save you. Only Jesus Christ can save you, okay? Only Jesus. So, hey, if you brought a Bible, you can turn to John 14. And the title of my message is, Don't Be Afraid. Let's pray together. Father, as we sit here in this comfortable place, we think of the people of Ukraine right now and all that they're going through. So many have lost their lives. So many are running for their lives. Lord, put your hand on them, protect these people. Bring an end to these hostilities, we would pray. And Lord, I pray for every person in this room and every person that is watching. There are many that are so frightened, so alarmed, so scared, so freaked out. And yet Jesus has said, do not be afraid. So speak to us from your word, we pray now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're living in crazy times right now. Just when you thought it could not get any worse, it did. I mean, we're coming through the worst pandemic in modern history and now it seems like the world is on fire. We see this blistering attack by Russia under President Putin on Ukraine. It's a powder keg that literally threatens the whole world and now uh, Russia has even threatened to use chemical and biological weapons and even nuclear weapons, in fact, uh, President Putin of Russia recently boasted they've developed a brand new missile that can fire 12 nuclear warheads at once, and they fittingly call it the Satan missile. I just read this today. And this is scary. I mean, we haven't heard talk of a potential nuclear conflict in a long time. I remember hearing it when I was a kid in elementary school in the 60s. And they told us if there is a nuclear blast, everybody get under your desk. Th- that would have done a lot of good, right? I'm, I'm, it's okay, I'm under my desk. This will protect me for sure. So with all that's going on in our world, <clears throat> we have a lot of people afraid in America. Many are filled with stress and anxiety, which is understandable. We have COVID, we have inflation, we have this conflict that's happening in Ukraine and something is new that psychologists have coined a phrase for, they call it doomsday anxiety. Doomsday anxiety. It includes the fear or worry about the end of the world or life as we know it. It involves symptoms like chronic nightmares, an underlying feeling of fear, and an obsession with the news as they doom scroll through the online post. Doom scrolling is what they call it right now. So how are we reacting? Well, in America, a lot of kids are just on spring break. They're partying away. Crime is up. Shootings are up. Last week, and ironically, when we celebrated Christ rising. Instead, we see crime rising. And we see people partying like there's nothing to worry about. I think they're taking the advice of Prince. Party like it's 1999. No, folks, don't party like it's 1999. Pray like it's 2022. We need God's help. (laughs) I wonder if I'm talking to somebody right now that is stressed out, to the max. It seems like what could not go wrong just went wrong. When it couldn't get any worse, it actually got worse. Let me ask you the question, do you have kids? Let me rephrase the question, do you have teenagers? Then you know what I'm talking about, right? And now we have these little devices. We all carry the cell phone, right? And this only adds to the stress. This only adds to the anxiety. I remember when cell phones first came out, I was so excited. They were about the size of a World War II walkie-talkie. It was fittingly called The Brick made by Motorola. It had a battery life of like nine minutes and uh, you carried them around. You thought you're so high tech, I've got my cell phone. Then they got smaller and smaller and now in many ways they control our lives. And uh, so I have a way for you to get rid of your stress tonight, are you ready? Pull out your cell phone, pull it out we 're going to get rid of your stress. Put it on the ground, stomp on it no don 't don't. I did, however, drop my phone in the toilet yesterday. It was a clean toilet if a toilet can be clean, but still that was not it wasn 't this phone, but you know so but a lot of stress comes from this little device that we carry around in our pocket let 's do something good with it right now. Take out your cell phone and I want you to shoot a text out to somebody and just say. Go to harvest.org right now for a message that can change your life. You can text it, hashtag Boise Harvest. A message that could change your life. Is that really true? You might say, Greg, who do you think you are with a so-called message that can change someone's life? It's not my message. It's God's message. I'm just sharing it with you. It doesn't originate with me. It's the message that the Bible calls the gospel. When I was a kid... I was a newspaper boy. So I rode around on my super cool Schwinn Stingray. And by the way, I had a stick shift on it. They don't make those anymore because they were unsafe. But still, I'd ride around. I got pretty good at throwing those papers. The sideways throw over the hedge throw, underhanded throw, get it up on the porch. My job was not to make the news. My job was not to write the news. My job was to deliver the news. And my job has not changed. I'm here to deliver the good news of Jesus Christ to you right now. And yes, it can change your life. I remember the story of a man named Earl. This is years ago when we were doing one of our crusades in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We were in a venue that was called The Pit, of all things. And so this guy Earl uh, was born in Turkey. He was a Muslim. He came to America, pretty much abandoned his roots and Married some American girl, they got divorced, He got heavily into drugs, and one night he decided he was gonna take his own life. He went down to the bank, he emptied his bank account, had all of that money, and he was gonna buy as much cocaine as he could and overdose on it. As he was on his way to the destination, his drug dealer, he was looking for some dark, creepy music to listen to, and he comes across a Christian radio station and they're playing a Christian song, and the announcer said, and that band is playing tonight at the pit, at the Harvest Crusade. He looks out his window, and he's literally driving by the pit at that very moment. So Earl pulls into the parking lot, gets out of his car, walks into the arena, very similar, similar to this one, takes his seat, listens to the music, hears me preach the gospel. He got up and gave his life to Jesus Christ, and his life was changed forever. He's serving serving the Lord today in Chicago. He's actually on a church staff. God can change your life. I don't know what motive brought you here. I don't know why you're here, but I know there's power in this message. Let me read you now the words of Jesus from 2,000 years ago, but they ring so true for all of us. John chapter 14, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled, You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am you may be also. And where I go you know in the way you know. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. It's right here in the front of the stage, isn't it? Let's all say this together. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. That's it. Now here's the first thing Jesus says. If you're troubled, the word that he uses here, let not your heart be troubled, means don't let your heart shudder if you're filled with anxiety because of doomsday scrolling, if you're filled with fear right now, if your heart is shuddering, here's the first thing Jesus says. His cure for heart trouble, if you will. Number one, believe what God says in His Word. Believe what God says in His Word. Do you believe in God? You know, (laughs) you're very responsive people here, I tell you. Now, you can know about God and not know God. You know, you can have things you've learned about God but have no relationship with God. Some years ago, I was in a mental institution. Not as a patient, I was visiting. And uh, I was with a friend of mine. And I had really long hair and a beard at that point. And so some people said I looked a little bit like Jesus, right? So I I walked into this mental institution and my friend, there I am. So my friend said to this patient, have you ever met Jesus Christ personally? And the guy turned to me, grabbed my hand and shook it and said, Jesus, good to meet you. I said, I'm not Jesus, buddy. I'm just Greg. But, uh, But have you met Jesus Christ personally? I ask you that now. Do you believe in Him? Listen, everyone believes in something. Some people believe in themselves. Others believe in money. Others believe in government. God help you. Um, Yeah. Some believe in technology. Oh, technology's gonna answer all of our questions. It's gonna solve all of our problems. But when that day comes, that final day of your life, none of those things will save you. The author of a biography about Steve Jobs remembered a conversation he had with Steve. He says, I was sitting in the backyard with Steve and the subject of God came up. Steve Jobs said, and I quote, sometimes I believe in God, sometimes I don't. I think it's 50-50 maybe. Ever since I've had cancer, I've been thinking about it more but I find myself believing a bit more. Steve Jobs says, I want to believe in an afterlife that when you die, you don't just disappear. Then he paused for a second and he said, yeah, but sometimes I think it's like an on and off switch. Click and you're gone, he said, and paused, and then he said, and that's why I don't like putting on off switches on Apple devices, end quote. Kind of a scary thought, click and you're gone. Before I was a Christian when I was just a kid, that's what I thought. I thought one day I'll just cease to exist. But then I thought, how can I no longer exist? How can I no longer be me? And I was terrified of death. Are you afraid of death right now? But I can tell you, I'm much older, a lot older, and I'm no longer afraid to die because I have hope of life beyond the grave, you see, because of what Jesus said. Jesus says, do not be afraid. I am the living one. I died, but look, I'm alive forevermore. I hold the keys to death and the grave. He says, don't be afraid. By the way, I'm glad Jesus has the keys because if I had the keys, they would have been lost by now. (laughs) I'm always losing my keys and my wallet and other things as well. Now, I'm not saying I look forward to death but I look forward to going to heaven because I have this hope that's been given to me by Christ who said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live, and whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And I'll tell you what, as you get older, time passes so quickly. I mean, my life is just flashing before me I mean, I was born in the 50s, I lived through the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. I have Sirius XM radio and I see 60s on 6, 70s on 7. And I go through these things that, that these are decades of my life that I actually lived. And now my generation, the baby boomers, we love to sing the anthem forever young. Not anymore. We've gone from acid rock to acid reflux. The Rolling Stones are still touring, I see. And Mick and Keith are singing, Time is Still on My Side. Have you looked at Mick and Keith lately? Guys, I don't think time is on your side. Who is still out there playing? Instead of playing that song, talking about my generation, they've updated it too, talking about my medication. (laughs) These are the jokes, people. Okay. Ringo Starr from The Beatles had the hit. Uh, A little help from my friends. Now he's updated it to a little help from Depend. So, you know. But you know, there's signs you're getting older. You know you're getting older when you shop at Forever 21 when you're 66. You just need to stop doing that. You know you're getting old when you sink your teeth into a juicy steak and they stay there. You know you're getting old when you're pulling up your socks cuz there's wrinkles and you realize, oh no, I'm not wearing socks. <laughs> you know you're getting old when you drop something on the ground and you reach down to get it and you wonder what else you can do while you're down there, right? <laughs> Is that resonating with someone out there? <laughs> so people are in denial. Well, I'll have some surgery done. You pull this, you nip that, you talk, you inject other things. You have so much Botox in your face, we don't even know what you're thinking anymore. We don't know if you're mad, if you're happy. We just know you look perpetually surprised. Right? Listen, you can get all the potions and the lotions and eat all of the kale and the tofu. You're not gonna extend your life one single day. Because... Uh, God determines how long you will live. I did read about a 105-year-old woman from Texas who had seven children. Her name was Pearl Cantrell. She was asked, what is the secret to your long life? Her answer was simple. She says, I love bacon. I eat it every day. Go figure, bacon. I like her. Speaking of that, I was talking to my granddaughter, Allie, a while back, and uh, she said, Papa, that's what she calls me. I'm a vegan now. While she was eating bacon. I said, honey, you cannot be a vegan and be eating bacon. And she says, well, I can't help it. I just like meat from a pig. Yeah, I, I understand. She'll probably live to be 105 years old as well. Listen, life's going to have a beginning. It's going to have a middle. It's going to have an end. But listen to this. Death died when Christ rose. You say, Greg, are you delusional? You don't think you're gonna die? Oh, I know my body will go into the ground, but my soul will live on. My soul is eternal. Then I enter the afterlife, and I determine in this life where I will spend the afterlife. And let me just give you a hint of what's coming. You have two choices, heaven or hell. Another way to put it, smoking and non-smoking. Okay, so it's up to you. But it's no joke. It's real. You make that decision here. Here. I read about a man that was walking through a cemetery and he saw an inscription on a tombstone that said, "'Pause now, stranger, as you pass by. "'As you are now, so once was I. "'As I am now, so you shall be. "'So prepare for death and follow me.'" After reading that, the man was overheard to say, "'To follow you is not my intent "'until I know which way you went.'" (laughs) So which way are you gonna go? You say, well, heaven, because I'm a good person. Are you? Are you really a good person? And to the point, being a good person will not get you to heaven. Heaven is not for good people. Heaven is for forgiven people. You see? But I think about heaven quite a bit because 14 years ago, an unspeakable tragedy happened in our home. Our oldest son, Christopher, was unexpectedly called home to heaven. He died in an automobile accident. When I heard that news that my son had died, I felt like time stood still, that all the air went out of the room and I literally thought I could die. Uh, Not from taking my life, but just if words could kill you, I felt like those words could kill me. But here's the hope that I have. I still miss him, I, I still grieve over losing him But on the other hand, I know I will see him again in heaven because of Jesus Christ. Not because he was my son, but because he believed in God's son who forgave him of all of his sins just as he forgives each of us if we put our faith in Christ. Maybe I'm talking to someone who has had a loved one die recently or if you received bad news from a doctor or your marriage is falling apart or your parents are divorcing, or too many Californians have moved into your state and are driving prices up, I don't know. <laughs> but you find yourself helpless and hopeless. But I'm saying you don't give up hope. It's been said man can live 40 days without food, three days without water, eight minutes without air, but only one second without hope. Have you lost hope tonight? Don't lose it, because Christ is here. Help us on the way. Hope is on the way in a relationship with Him. Believe in God. The second reason your heart should not be troubled or agitated, according to Jesus, is because if you're a Christian, you're going to heaven. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. Listen to this, heaven is a real place for real people to do real things. Now the problem is, Hollywood is sort of caricatured heaven and we think it's this really strange place where we sit around on clouds and pluck harps and little fat babies with wings hover around us and that's not heaven. Think of the most beautiful thing thing you've ever seen. Think of the beauty all around you here in this state that you live in. That's just a glimpse of greater things to come. Heaven is not the watered down version. Heaven is the real version. Here on earth we just see sort of the imitation of greater things to come that God has for every follower of Jesus Christ who have believed in Him. That's why we need to look to the Lord. But the non-believer does not have the promise of heaven. I heard the story of a Christian father who was dying. So he gathered his three sons by his bedside and to two of the sons he said, goodbye sons, I'll see you in the morning. And uh, the third son said, Dad, why did you say that to them? What are you gonna say to me? He's just said, goodbye, son. Wait, wait goodbye, son, I, wh- why can't I see you in the morning? The father said, because your brothers have put their faith in Christ, so we'll be reunited in heaven in the afterlife. He said, but Dad, I wanna see you in the afterlife too. He said, "Son, that you need to believe in Jesus, and you will. And that boy believed in Jesus at that very moment, and we need to do the same, you see? When Jesus says in my Father's house are many mansions, I don't know if he's talking about actual buildings. I did hear about a minister and a New York cab driver who died on the same day. They went through the pearly gates and Simon Peter met them of course and said to uh, the cab driver, okay, uh, that's your mansion right over there. You've gone over there now and enjoyed it. It was a huge palatial mansion. The cab driver was very excited and went to his mansion. The minister was watching, thinking, wow, he's a cab driver, and he gets a mansion? Think about what I have. I'm a minister, I've helped people, I've pointed people to God. Peter says, okay, hey, there's your little shack there in the valley, go to your little shack. He says, wait, why do I get a shack when a New York cab driver gets a mansion? Peter said, because when you preached, people slept. When he drove, people prayed. See, so." It's, So I don't know if these are actual mansions. They could be. Again, heaven is a real place for real people to do real things. Maybe it's referring to our new body. God's gonna give you a new body. People ask, well, what will that body be like? Well, oh, it'll be better than the body you have right now. It'll be the radically upgraded version of you. So if you're looking for me in heaven, look for someone with probably an afro or something, you know? <laughs> then again, maybe we'll all Be bald in heaven. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, that's not a very good thought, is it? I was talking to two of my granddaughters, Stella and Lucy. They said, Papa, how old will we be when we get to heaven? I said, girls, I don't know. Maybe 33. They said, why 33? I said, well, that was the age Jesus was when he died. Then Lucy, uh, my granddaughter, said, I want to be three when I'm in heaven. I said, three? Why do you want to be three? She said, I miss the old me. Well, this body we're in right now is breaking down. Experts tell us as we get older, the number of nerve cells in the brain decrease. We start with around 100 billion brain cells, but then in our 20s, the number starts to decline. At 40, we're losing up to 10,000 brain cells a day. You've probably lost 5,000 brain cells listening to me tonight. But there's a hope of another body. A newer body. So if you were disabled on earth you won't be in heaven. If your body has cancer here it won't be then. If your body's worn out here it won't be then. So let not your heart be troubled. It's good news. Why? Believe God's word. Believe what God said in His word. Number two you're going to heaven if you're a Christian. And number three he's shown us the way to heaven. I was told that this arena we're in right now, the Extra Mile Arena, the first person here was not a sports team or a rock band or anybody else. It was Billy Graham who did an eight night crusade. Isn't that great? I got to know Billy Graham quite well. In fact, I wrote a book about it called Billy Graham, the man I knew, a man I knew. And he was a wonderful man, a godly man. I heard the story of when Billy was in a town to do one of his crusades. He wrote a letter to his wife Ruth but he didn't know where the post office was so he was walking around looking for it and uh, he saw some young man there and he said, young man, can you tell me where the post office is? The little guy said, yeah, just go up the street here, turn right and that's the post office. He goes, that's great. By the way, he said, I'm speaking here in the stadium tonight and maybe you would like to come and hear me and I will show you how to get to heaven. The little guy said, why should I go hear you? You don't even know the way to the post office. (laughs) How do you get to heaven? How can you know you'll go to heaven when you die? Jesus gives us the answer. He says, where I go and the way you know. And I love how Thomas said, we don't know where you're going and we don't know the way. I think a lot of times when Jesus spoke to his disciples, it went right over their heads. He talked about dying and rising from the dead. They just didn't understand that at all. And when he would talk about things like that, they would probably nod their heads in unison. Oh, that's so deep. They were clueless. It's like a teacher in a class doing some complex equation up on the math board or up on the blackboard. And they say, do you all understand it? Everyone yes. But no one understands. So Jesus says, where I go you know and the way you know. Thomas says, we don't know what you're talking about. We don't know the way, and we do not know where you're going. But I'm glad Jesus asked that, or I'm glad Thomas asked that question because Jesus then said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. You know, Thomas has been described as, described as a doubter. We call him Doubting Thomas. He was more of a skeptic. He didn't let other people make his decisions for him. When I became a Christian at the age of 17, I was a skeptic. I lived a hard life. My, married, my mother was married and divorced seven times. She was a raging alcoholic. All I saw was bad behavior of adults fighting and passing out at night. And uh, so I tried drinking for a while and was disillusioned with it. I got into drugs for a while. And by the age of 17, I felt like I was 70. And I was wondering, what is life all about? I don't see any adult that I know that I want to be like. And, and these kids that I hang around with, they don't know any more than I know. And I was searching and I transferred over to this high school called Harbor High School in Newport Beach, California. And uh, there was a lot, of, a lot of Christians there because the Jesus movement was in full swing. And one of my friends warned me, Craig, stay away from the Jesus freaks. And I said, the last thing Greg Laurie will ever do is become a Jesus freak. Yeah, famous last words. I thought they were a little nutty. I thought they were a little weird. I thought, where do these people come from? I thought they were like, you know, one taco short of a combination plate, maybe. But one day I went across the campus and there was a group of Christians sitting there singing their songs about God. And I sat Close enough to hear what they were saying, but not so close that my friends would think I was becoming a Christian. And that was the first time I heard this evangelist named Lonnie speak. And he said, Jesus said, You're for me or against me. And I looked around at the Christians and I thought, Well, I'm not one of them. Does that mean I'm against Jesus? I don't want to be against Jesus. I've always acknowledged he existed, I've always sort of believed in him or what I knew of him, I'd seen all of his movies. But it was the first time that the idea of having a relationship with God was presented to me and Lonnie gave this invitation for people to come to Christ and kids got up and walked forward. On a high school campus, I thought, there's no way I would ever do that. I sort of hung my head down. My hair was hanging in my eyes. Use your imagination. Um, (laughs) Next thing I knew, I was up there praying and that was the day Christ came into my life and I have never regretted making that decision. And I'm gonna ask you to make a similar decision tonight. Maybe you came here as a skeptic, someone that wasn't sure if this was all true. Maybe your friend bribed you with food afterwards, I don't know what, but you're here. And I want you to think for yourself, Be like Thomas. Be a skeptic. Say, yeah, well, I'm not sure. I'm not going to let somebody else think for me. We engage in sort of group think. What is popular? What is cool? What is the trend? Think for yourself. Because I believe God is speaking to some people's hearts right now. And this is what you've been looking for. Not religion. Not a bunch of rules and regulations. A relationship with God that you can have just like the 1,600 people that came down on this floor last night and prayed that prayer, committing their life to Jesus, the same thing can happen for you tonight. It's true. But what do you need to do? Number one, you need to admit you're a sinner. The Bible says, all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us have sinned. A sin means to cross a line. That's one definition of it, to cross a line. God has given us the Ten Commandments. You shall not steal, you shall not lie, you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. On the list goes. We've broken those commandments. Some of us have broken all of the commandments. And yet the Bible says if you offend in one point of the law, you're guilty of all of it. So don't tell me you're a good person and you don't need God. You've broken those commandments. And the Bible says the soul that sins will surely die. So we're all separated from God by our sin. Good works won't help you get to God. Going to church won't help you get to God. Start by admitting you're a sinner. Then number two, recognize that Christ died on the cross for you. Why did he suffer and die 2,000 years ago? Why did he let them whip him with that most likely cat of nine tails tearing into his back? into a skeletal tissue? Why did he let them nail him to a cross? Because he died for your sins. Only Jesus is qualified to bridge the gap between a holy God and sinful humanity. With one hand he took hold of God, with the other hand he took hold of humanity, and they put spikes to those hands, and it was not nails that held Jesus to the cross, it was love for you. God loves you. Jesus put it best when he said, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son and whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Then thirdly, you need to repent of your sin. You say, well, I don't even know what that means. I don't think I've even pented. How do I repent? Well, repent means to change your direction. It's a military term. So I was going this way, I I repent, I turn around and I'm going this way. So you let go of that old sin. You turn your back on that old life and you take hold of Jesus Christ. The Bible says God has commanded everyone to repent and times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. And then you must receive Christ into your life. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in only you can say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Are you certain right now that Christ is living in your life? If you would say, well, I'm not sure, then I would tend to think maybe he isn't. I mean, if someone moved into your house in the middle of the night and they were cooking fish in your kitchen, do you think you would know? I'm not suggesting Jesus is doing that, but my point is If God Almighty, the creator of the universe, has taken residence in your heart, you will know. And if you don't know, maybe he's not there yet. Maybe you need to say, Jesus, come into my life and forgive me of my sin. And then you need to do it publicly. That's why I'm gonna ask you to do what so many did last night. In a few moments, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to make a public stand for Christ. Jesus said, if you will confess or acknowledge me before people, I will acknowledge you before the Father and the angels in heaven. But if you deny me before people, I'll deny you before the Father and the angels. So by coming forward, you're making that public stand. You're saying, I don't care who sees. I want this relationship with God. And lastly, you must do it now. Now. You say, well, maybe next Sunday. No, not next Sunday. Maybe tomorrow. No, not tomorrow. You may never have another moment like you have right here, right now in the Extra Mile Arena. This is your moment to come to Christ. Don't miss it. Jesus is passing by. He's here. He's ready to forgive you. But you must call out to Him. The Bible says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But some of us... Some of us are too proud to call on the name of the Lord. We don't think we need to be saved. You met my son Jonathan earlier when he was a little guy. I took him out in the water. I was helping him catch some waves and uh, I lost my footing and I was caught in a riptide. The irony is I wasn't that far from the shore, but I couldn't get my feet on the Bottom of there of the ocean, and so I'm getting pulled, and, and I'm trying to keep him above water. And there's a lifeguard, she was a lady sitting there watching us, and she starts running toward us with her flotation device. And I'm thinking, I don't want to be saved this close to shore. I was embarrassed. And she's swimming out toward me, and I finally got my footing. I said, I'm okay, thank you, though. That's how a lot of us are. Oh, I don't want to call out to God, that's a sign of weakness. Christianity is a crutch. Oh listen, Christianity is not a crutch. It's a whole hospital and you need it. He'll save you. He'll forgive you. This can be the night that you change your eternal address from hell to heaven. He's just a prayer away. In a moment we're gonna pray and then I'm going to invite you to put your faith in Jesus. I'm gonna invite you to have him forgive you of your sin. I'm gonna invite you to call out to the Lord and he'll hear this prayer and he'll answer this prayer and this would be the moment your life changes. I want you to pray this prayer out loud after me. This is where you're asking Jesus to come into your life to be your Savior and Lord. Mean it from your heart and God will hear and answer. So again, as I pray... Pray this out loud after me, okay? Let's bow our heads. Pray this now. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that you're the Savior who died on the cross for my sin and rose again from the dead. Jesus, I choose to follow you from this night forward as my Savior and Lord as my God and my friend. Thank you for hearing this prayer and answering this prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless each one of you. God bless you. Hey everybody, this is Greg Laurie and you've just been listening to a classic message from Harvest Ministries. This podcast is supported by Harvest Partners. To learn more and to find out how you can become a Harvest Partner, just go to harvest.org.